Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Today, I'm answering listeners' questions. I've gotten some really great ones, including how to pick the healthiest olive oil, and is drinking olive oil good for you? If you crave sweets or salty foods, it could be a sign of an underlining problem. I'll share what that might be. A listener asks, can a lack of sleep cause weight gain? I'll also share my opinion on the eating for your blood type diet. Is carbonated water bad for your teeth? Is it healthier to consume your vegetables raw or should you cook them? And a listener asks, is the dye used on the skin when you get a tattoo a health risk? This and much more, you have questions and I have answers. Stay tuned for this information-packed segment of Ask the Doctor and it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm answering your questions. Remember, if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. And I'll include my best-selling audio book, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you have any health-related questions or comments, you can reach out to me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. Okay, let's get to your questions. Our first one comes from Jimmy Hopper from Las Vegas, Nevada. Jimmy asks, Dr. Friedman, is it true that drinking olive oil every day is healthy? If so, how much and how do I choose the best olive oil? Great question, Jimmy. And actually, it's one I've been getting asked a lot of lately because recently there's been a viral social media post on the benefits of drinking olive oil, not cooking with it, drinking it. And this anti-inflammatory oil contains healthy fats, which have been documented, and it's a staple of the Mediterranean diet considered by many experts to be the healthiest diet on the planet. While most people cook with olive oil, yes, you can also drink it. Drinking cold-pressed extra virgin olive oil can actually benefit the heart, the bones, the skin, and it can actually help improve digestion. And some people in the Mediterranean region drink a quarter of a cup of olive oil every morning. However, I got to warn you, you got to be careful. Just start with half a tablespoon. See how your body responds because drinking olive oil, it's a It's really a great remedy for constipation, but going overboard can have the opposite effect and it can actually cause severe diarrhea. So go slow. Also, if you're counting calories, olive oil contains 120 calories per tablespoon. So moderation here is the key. Extra virgin olive oil, you know, it has this robust, vibrant flavor that may not be embraced by everybody's palate. So if you want to try drinking olive oil and a taste is just not for you, add a little bit of lemon juice to your olive oil for some extra vitamin C and it tastes better. As for your question on choosing the right brand of olive oil, that is very important. Glad you asked that. While research shows olive oil is good for the heart, can't argue with the documentation there, but not getting the right kind can actually harm the heart. It's bad for the heart. So I'm going to share with you my four tips that you can use when shopping for the highest quality olive oil. First, what you want to do is you want to make sure it has the word extra virgin on the label. This means it's the highest designation of quality that's given to olive oil. So that means basically it's unrefined, it's free of chemicals and rancidity. Extra virgin also means it's not treated with heat. Sometimes you'll actually see on the label cold processed, but that's kind of redundant. It's not really necessary because extra virgin olive oil 
is cold processed, so it's not really needed to be on the label, but it is and often the case. Uh, secondly, always buy olive oil in a dark glass container, not plastic. You see, olive oil can go rancid if it's exposed to light and heat. This is also why it's important to store your olive oil away from direct light, so don't keep it out on the counter near a window. Uh, keep it in a nice, you know, dark cabinet or a pantry. Uh, an olive oil company that truly cares about the quality of its product is not going to put their olive oil in a clear glass or plastic bottle. So if you see that, not high quality. My third tip is make sure it's certified because that means it's of the highest quality and it follows the stringent protocols. Uh, so basically you want to look at, if you look on the back or the front and you see California Olive Oil Council certified, that's great, or North America Olive Oil Association certified. So look for those two things. And my last tip when shopping for olive oil, look at who makes it in the country of origin. You're better off going with a farm or family collection as they're generally prouder of their olive oil compared to a commercially produced brand. And the best varieties out there, I look for olive oil from Italy and Greece. Those are two of the best. All right. Thanks for your question, Jimmy. We go to Sarasota, Florida for our next question. Stephanie Maxwell asks, Dr. Friedman, I exercise daily and eat a clean whole food diet, but I can't seem to lose weight. I've heard that a lack of sleep could be to blame. I usually sleep five and a half hours per night. Could this be my problem? Yeah, uh, great question. If you don't snooze, you won't lose when it comes to your weight. So yes, sleeping plays a big role. There's actually been a lot of research showing a lack of sleep can actually contribute to obesity. There was a study published in the American Journal of Human Biology that found that sleeping less than six hours increases a person's body mass index, making people more prone to fat accumulation. And the reason for this is when we're sleep deprived, this actually wreaks havoc on our hormones and it can affect our appetite, can affect our metabolism and two of the big culprits are ghrelin and leptin ghrelin is the hormone that tells your body to eat i call it ghrelin the felon because it makes you want to pig out like a prisoner that just got out on parole a lack of good quality sleep what it does is it makes your leptin levels decline and that's the hormone that tells your body it's full so when you're sleep deprived you have more ghrelin telling you to eat 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 and you have leptin, less leptin telling you to stop. So it's really the perfect storm for weight gain. So you really need some good sleep. Another hormone that rises when you're sleep deprived is cortisol. The body releases this hormone in response to stress and it's a major contributor to fat accumulation in the abdomen. Cortisol also increases blood sugar levels. A lack of sleep, and again, that's deep restorative sleep. That doesn't mean just shutting your eyes and waking up. It's gotta be that deep REM, deep restorative sleep. And if you have a lack of it, it increases the pounds and it can actually lower your lifespan. Research conducted by the University of California found sleep deprivation affects every aspect of our biology and it's linked to fatal diseases like high blood pressure, atherosclerosis, 
and heart failure. Another study conducted by Warwick Medical School found that less than six hours of sleep per night gives you a 48% greater chance of dying from heart disease. For those of you that are overweight and you don't sleep at least six hours per night, your risk of having a stroke quadruples. So how much sleep should you get? at least seven hours per night of deep restorative sleep. That's what you need. And research shows women average only 6.3 hours of sleep per night. And men, you only get on average 5.6 hours. So we are all sleep deprived. And in my book, Food Sanity, I share why we're so sleep deprived. And I offer several tips on how to achieve deep restorative sleep. But I'm going to share two quick ones with you now. First one, keep your room as dark as possible. That means no night lights or cell phone lights. And the big no-no is blue light. If you have anything blue, sometimes you'll see the cable box has a little blue light. That's keeping you up. See, the color blue signals your pineal gland that it's daytime and it keeps you from falling into that deep restorative sleep. So put a little piece of tape over that little blue dot on your cable box. Also, if you want to eliminate noise, that's important, like dogs barking in the neighborhood, traffic sounds, or maybe you have a spouse that snores. These things can keep you from reaching that deep sleep. So you can block those sounds out by using a white noise machine that helps some, and or do what I do. I got these little foam earplugs. You get them at most drugstores, put them in your ear, and I'll tell you, it blocks out these little sounds that normally draw you up at night. All right, our next question comes from Katie Lynn from Williamstown, New Jersey. Her question was sent to me through the Facebook Food Sanity Forum. If you're not a member of this forum and you'd like free access to my daily nutrition and health news that you can use, go to Facebook and search for Food Sanity Forum and be part of this wonderful culinary conundrum circle of friends. Okay, Katie asks, Dr. Friedman, I have just finished reading your book, Food Sanity, and plan to make 2021 the year my family and I get healthier. I've had some health issues and at 39, I don't want to be on daily medications, suffer from low energy and be overweight. Any advice or words of encouragement would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for the question, Katie. You know, I'm so happy to hear that you're reading Food Sanity and kudos to you for being proactive and embarking on a journey to reach your optimal health. And to answer your question first, keep in mind it's a marathon, not a sprint. So many people get discouraged when they don't see immediate results. And you know what happens? They end up giving up. I had a patient last week who gave up on a diet she was following. And she said the reason she quit is because she was only losing a pound a week. Very frustrated. Well, I asked her, I said, how many pounds uh, do you want to lose? And she told me 30 pounds. So then I asked her, I said, how long have you had an extra 30 pounds that you wanted to lose? And she told me, 10 years ago since giving birth to her child. So I did the math for her. If she loses just a pound a week in six months, she'll reach her goal of losing the 30 pounds that she's been struggling with for over a decade. You know, I interviewed James Clear, author of the mega best-selling book, Atomic Habits. I highly recommend you listen to that podcast. He really sheds the light on how tiny changes can lead to remarkable results. So don't be impatient. If it's a pound a week, trust me, it adds up. Stick with it. Another thing I suggest, which I cover heavily in Food Sanity, is read 
labels. Can't stress that enough. Sometimes even the seemingly most healthy foods sold at grocery stores, even health food stores, still contains chemicals, preservatives, dyes, pesticides, and hormones that wreak havoc on our health. So many people believe that when they see food sold at the store, oh, it's FDA inspected and it's safe. Well, keep in mind There are many drugs that have been approved by the FDA that ended up causing disease and death. Many of them. I'll give you one example is the arthritis drug Vioxx. It was deemed, quote, safe by the FDA until it caused 140,000 cases of serious heart disease and 60,000 deaths. Bextra, that's another one that comes to mind. It was approved by the FDA, and you know what happened? Later, it caused 35,000 people to suffer from liver failure. The same thing can happen when it comes to the dyes, preservatives, chemicals, and pesticides found in our food. They're considered, quote, safe by the FDA, but let me tell you, folks, synthetic additives are not food substances and should be avoided period. So keep your eye out on labels, get your magnifying glass, look at that fine print. You know, it's really sad that we just can't trust our watchdog government agencies that are supposedly putting our best interests at heart. And, you know, we can't even put our faith into the medical industry. Medical malpractice happens to be the third leading cause of death, killing 260,000 people annually in the United States. So instead, we really have to take our health into our own hands. That's my advice, Katie, and to all my wonderful listeners. Healthcare begins with you looking into the mirror and taking responsibility for the person that you see. Only then can you achieve optimal health in 2021 and beyond. All right, our next question is from Abigail Elizabeth from Wilmington, North Carolina. She has a question. Dr. Friedman, What's your views on the blood type diet? Is it a myth or is it legit? You know, interesting question. When that book came out, Eat Right for Your Blood Type Diet, I believe it was in 1995. It was back a ways. I was so excited, folks, at the thought of being able to choose the perfect diet based on our individual blood type. I mean, how how cool would that be? So I grabbed the book and Unfortunately, after reading it, I realized a lot of it was just based on the author's theories and not backed up by any clinical science. Now, there are some bits and pieces of the book that I like, I do embrace, but not enough for me to warrant following the blood type diet. And, you know, some of my patients, they swear by it, but you know what? There's just as many that have tried eating for their blood type with zero results. This blood type diet To me, it's similar to the accuracy that you'll get when reading your horoscope. And uh, I'll share a story. I remember several years ago, I went to a seminar and the speaker asked all the Libras in the audience to stand up and he read out their horoscope and he said, put your hands up if what I just read was accurate and almost every hand raised and he did the same thing for the Taurus, had them stand up, read their horoscope, Aquarius, Capricorns and so on and so on and approximately 85% raised their hand amazed at how unbelievably accurate their specific horoscope was to them. Well, then he dropped the bombshell. He actually mixed them all up and he purposely read the wrong horoscopes. His point for doing this was to show the power of suggestion. I believe the same thing holds true 
with the blood type diet. If the author mixed up all the blood type diets and the typo diet got his type A recommendations and his AB blood type diet received the type B diet, many people would still be amazed by its accuracy on how great it works for them. So that's my opinion. A couple little tidbits in there I like, but no, I'm not thumbs up for the blood type diet. All right, let's go to Bob Dieters from Cleveland, Ohio. Bob asks, uh, Dr. Friedman, I'm a longtime listener and love your show. My question is, is it better to eat raw vegetables or cooked? Actually, the answer is both. I can't lean to one way or the other. There are some plant-based foods that you should never eat raw, of course, like you got potatoes, beans, eggplant, and Brussels sprouts, but sometimes certain vegetables and even fruit are healthier when eaten cooked. For example, tomatoes contain a powerful antioxidant called lycopene, which has been linked to the prevention of cancer and cardiovascular disease. Cooked tomatoes actually contain four times more lycopene than raw tomatoes. Also, the lycopene molecules in tomatoes change their shape when they're heated, and they actually become more usable by the body. Research also shows cooked asparagus increases its level of phenolic acid, which is associated with reduced cancer risk. So you want to cook your asparagus. It's healthier. Spinach is another one. That's a great veggie, but it's healthier when it's cooked because uh, steaming spinach reduces its oxalic acid, which interferes with the body's absorption of iron and calcium by about 50%. Also, cooked spinach helps retain its level of folate. That's a very important B vitamin, which plays a vital role in making DNA and preventing cancer. Now, I think one more I'll share is mushrooms. When they're cooked, they have a much higher antioxidant level than when they're eaten raw. And something else I want to mention, when you cook veggies, you're much better off lightly steaming them or doing maybe a stir fry instead of boiling them. You see, boiling vegetables denatures them and all that good nutrition and minerals and all the great properties ends up going down the drain. So you want to actually steam them, it's better, or stir fry. Hope that answers your question, Bob. Let's say we go to Deborah Collins from Bloomington, Minnesota. Dr. Friedman, I love drinking seltzer water, but I've heard it's not healthy and can damage my teeth. Any truth to this? Deborah, that's a great question. Actually, seltzer, club soda, and tonic are all forms of carbonated water. Of the three, seltzer is the simplest because it's just basically water that's been infused with carbon dioxide gas to give it a little bit of fizz. Club soda, though, that's slightly different. In addition to carbonation, some salt or potassium salts have been added. And then we have tonic water, and that falls into a different category, more like in the soda family, because it's carbonated and it's sweet. So, if you're watching your weight, don't overdo the tonic water. It contains 124 calories per 12-ounce serving. That's about 75% of the calories of a 12-ounce can of Coke. Now, your concern that drinking seltzer water can erode your teeth enamel has been completely debunked. While seltzer water is slightly acidic from all that carbonation, it's very unlikely that the acidity is strong enough to damage teeth enamel. In fact, there was actually a study in the UK that found very little potential for dental erosion from carbonation. However, sodas, on the other hand, they can and they do hurt your teeth. 
especially colas because of that high acidity and acidity and all that sugar that's added. So stay away from that. So drinking carbonated colas can also leach the calcium from the bones. Soda is just one of the worst things you can put into your body, but carbonated water will not have a negative effect on bone density or your health. So if you enjoy salsa water, my answer to you, no reason to stop drinking it. In fact, I get many of my patients off their cola habit by having them uh, use salsa water. So if you're, for example, if you're a Sprite lover and you wanna get off that Sprite, squeeze some lime and lemons into your salsa water with a little bit of monk fruit, that's a natural sweetener, and guess what? You just made some homemade Sprite. If you're a cola lover, you can get some salsa water, add a little splash of prune juice or date paste and add some monk fruit or stevia. And guess what? You just made low calorie homemade cola. It's a way to kind of get the good, same fizzy, same similar taste without the bad. Or go ahead and just mix it up. Add some berries in, 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 your, in your water. The key is just consuming more daily water. So if you want to have a little carbonation and that helps you get more water in your body, that's great. You know, there's so many people that stay dehydrated because they don't drink enough water. And dehydration is, is oh, it can lead to so many, so many uh, ailments and aches and pains and headaches and lack of concentration, uh, fatigue. I've seen it, uh, one, one of my patients didn't drink enough water. She had high blood pressure. I said, do you drink water? No, I have coffee and I drink soda. I said, drink more water, blood pressure went normal blood pressure that she's had problems for years normalized because she was always dehydrated and water can also can help relieve constipation so you know there's so many benefits i could do a whole segment just in the importance of water so drink your water if you want a little carbonation that's fine next question comes from uh, mark larosaki i hope i'm from new york hope i'm saying that name right larosaki if not i apologize mark wants to know dr friedman you talk a lot about the chemicals and dyes in food we should be of we should avoid eating what about tattoos we put on our body Assuming that the needles are clean and safe, how risky or worried should people be about the ink that is put in the body? Oh, great question. Uh, actually, you know, with any foreign substance, the body recognizes tattoo pigments really as, as, an, as an invasion. And our macrophages carry that ink particles to the lymph nodes closest to the site of the tattoo. And because the cells can't break down most of the ink particles, they actually can become lodged in the lymph nodes. There was an interesting report published in the Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. And what it did is it described how doctors thought a woman's cervical cancer had spread to her lymph nodes. And after surgically removing the nodes, they discovered what appeared to be malignant cells where just the tattoo particles. So it wasn't malignant, it was the tattoo particles, but it looked malignancy and the tattoo business, you know, it's not regulated by the FDA. A lot of people think it is, but it's not. And they don't regulate what can and can't be injected into the skin. So research shows some ink contains potentially toxic heavy metals, and that includes cobalt, nickel, and chromium. It's not known for sure how much is too much, but what we, we do know is that the ink can cause enlargement of lymph nodes, blood clotting, and can lead to possible liver damage. And of course, research is ongoing and more studies are needed to assess really the long-term dangers of tattoos, but use your own discretion and think before you ink. All right, we go to Charlene Nicholson from Albuquerque, New Mexico. She asked, Dr. Friedman, my question is, what's the difference between gluten-free oatmeal and regular oatmeal? 
I thought oats naturally don't contain gluten. Uh, that is true, Charlene. Oats naturally do not contain gluten. However, cross-contamination with gluten can happen in the fields where oats are grown and through processing and even at the, at the packaging facility. So when oats come in contact with like wheat or rye or barley, they can contain traces of gluten. So when you buy regular oatmeal, it can contain gluten. But if you see certified gluten-free on the label... That means they've taken extra steps to ensure there's no cross-contamination. All right, let's see. We have time for maybe one or two more questions. Let's go to Ann Collins from Dallas, Texas. Let's see. She said, Ann says, I crave sweets, but on some days I crave salty things. Do these cravings mean anything, and what can I do to stop them? I love this question. Yes, food cravings can actually be a sign of some stuff. Uh, one is emotional needs, and you know, such as calming stress or reducing anxiety. This is where the term comfort foods come from. And if you're having salty food cravings, that can also mean you're dehydrated. And this could be from sweating, illness, exercise, chronic stress, drinking too much alcohol, or if you're even taking a diuretic, it can cause this. The body needs to maintain a certain level of fluids to function properly. So if those levels fall below a healthy level, you start craving salt. That's your body's, you know, feed me salt warning sign. And, you know, it's, it's a way for you to encourage more drinking. So my rule of thumb is for how much water you need per day, divide your weight in pounds by half and drink that amount in ounces. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you need to be drinking 75 ounces of water per day. Also, an electrolyte imbalance can cause your salt cravings. The fluid in your body transports vital minerals, including sodium. If these minerals are low, you will crave salt. You can increase your electrolytes by consuming things like bananas, sweet potatoes, watermelon, and avocados. You can also drink coconut water. When it comes to sweet food cravings, one of the biggest causes is You've eaten too many starchy foods and not enough protein and healthy fats. So an example would be a starchy bowl of pasta. Unless you eat it with a healthy fat or protein, these calories absorb fast, turn into sugar, and actually make you crave more sugar. You can combat sweet cravings by incorporating more healthy fats into your diet. So start reaching for some nuts and avocados, extra virgin olive oil, and lean protein like chicken and wild-caught fish. Lastly, a lack of sleep can also cause sweet cravings, so make sure you're getting enough sleep. All right, let's see, I might be able to squeeze one more question in. Let's go with Dan Rowland from Dayton, Ohio. He wants to know, Dr. Freeman, I love your show, always learn so much. I just built a home gym for my wife and I. She is afraid to lift weights because she's worried she'll end up grotesque and muscular like a professional bodybuilder. Can you please set the record straight? Great question, Dan. Yeah, rest assured, tell your wife lifting weights will not cause her to look like a female version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. The average female has 20 times less testosterone than men do. And guess what? Testosterone is needed for muscle building. So since men have more of this hormone than females do, they build muscle much quicker and at a much easier rate than females do. And, and you know, women bodybuilders that have this aesthetically large muscles... They didn't get that way from just lifting weights. They either have a genetic profile that predisposes them to large bulky muscles, 
or they're getting hormone injections. Also, female bodybuilders, you know what they do? They eat massive amounts of food, and then they dehydrate themselves to the point of visible muscle striations before they compete. So unless your wife follows this very strict regimen, lifting weights will not get her grotesquely like bodybuilders, or just to improve her muscle tone, and that's the goal. So have no worries of being a female Arnold Schwarzenegger. Thanks for the question. All right, we're out of time. I want to thank everyone for all the wonderful questions. And if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, you can email me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. If I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also send you my audiobook. America's Unbalanced Diet. If you want to stay up to date with my latest articles, videos, and podcasts, go to drdavidfriedman.com. And while there, be sure and sign up for my free newsletter with all the latest news you can use. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard me share something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available to yourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.